and welcome to the Embodied Life Coaching Podcast with me, Louise Lewis. I am a mindset and body-based life coach specialising in helping people understand and resolve the deep-seated patterns that hold them back from having a life that looks and feels extraordinary. Through a series of solo episodes and conversations with guest experts, I will explore how incorporating bodywork, whether that be somatic-based exercises, biology and cellular health, or nervous system healing, is an essential addition to your personal development work. If you are familiar with therapy, coaching, or counseling, and feel like there's been a missing piece of the puzzle, keep listening, because the bodywork and nervous system pieces may be it. I can't wait to share these life-changing materials with you. It's time to live a full life from a place where you are deeply connected to your mind, body, and soul. Get ready. Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am delighted to have Emily Slahekka back on um, this week. So if you haven't listened to the first episode that I did with Emily, that's episode seven. So go back and check it out. Um, and Emily and I have been kind of chatting behind the scenes a little bit about noticing a pull to do things a little bit differently. Um, and so I thought it was a really good opportunity to have Emily onto the podcast um, and for us to talk about what that's been looking like for us both, um, essentially. So Emily, welcome back. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Delighted to be back. And so I suppose if I do a little bit of a precursor to this, I noticed very much in January this year that there was all of this noise around like New Year's resolutions and New Year, New You and like go, 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 go. And there was just this massive part of me that was like, no, oh God, no, like this is the last thing that I want to do. Um, I feel like I should still be resting and hibernating and this is the time of year that I really want to slow down. And it was the first time that I was really mindful of what I needed and where I was being led versus just following the noise of, well, this is just what we're supposed to do because it's January. Um, and I know that you've had not necessarily the same experience, but you've really had this, I was going to say epiphany, that might feel like too big a word, but this this kind of real change in recognising and noticing and working with your natural rhythm. Um, and so I would love for you to share well, with me and the podcast listeners, just a little bit more about what that's looked like. Yeah, so I think that besides yoga, I would say my other gateway into the personal development world was starting to track my menstrual cycle, mm -hmm. which had always just been this thing that happened in the background and was a little irritating here and there. Um, but I came across the work of Lisa Lister. She's a UK-based um, author, and she has a number of books, and one of them uh, was re about your menstrual cycle and how it's actually a power for you to use. So I just started tracking my menstrual cycle, um, and I realized, oh, Th this there's actually something to this. I started to relate it to my work. I've always had a full-time job working in an office in a corporate space. And I just noticed that at certain times of my menstrual cycle, I wanted to do certain things. Mm. And certain times I didn't want to do certain yeah. things. 
And I never mentioned it to anybody at work that I was doing this, but it became very apparent to me that there were certain things that helped me become more effective at work when I actually listened to my natural rhythms. And to take it back to what you were saying with the new year, new you, January, start fresh. I think it makes so much sense that we don't do that in winter because winter, the the correlated phase is your actual menstrual cycle, your bleed, is a time to go within, to rest, to reground into, you know, what it is. It's, it's essentially, it's a death, right? And then the rebirth is the springtime. And so why are we trying to push so hard in a time that's meant to be dormant? and and to regenerate all of our energy yeah and I love that and just to go back to something that you said then about you were noticing and tracking it within a work context and you were noticing like what you enjoyed and what you didn't enjoy at work is there like an example that you can give of like what changed what you noticed Yes. So if you think about there's four phases to a menstrual cycle, Mm -hmm. and I think the one that everybody would definitely know is the menstrual phase of the menstrual cycle, which is the the bleed phase, um, that you can correlate the phases to the four seasons of nature. So for example, winter would be the menstrual cycle, then there's pre-ovulation, which is spring, ovulation, summer, and then the pre-bleed, which is autumn. So for me, one of the things that I noticed right away, the menstrual phase or the menstrual cycle, menstrual phase of the cycle um, stood out to me. And one of the things I noticed very consistently every month is that a couple of days before my period started, I didn't want to be around people. Mm. I just had such low energy. And I think that in a world where we're very disconnected from our bodies, we just push through it. We're like, whatever, just caffeinate up, just keep doing all the things. You know, we always have to be at that steady state of constant production. What happened is I started to play around with that. And I noticed that if I pushed through that, the symptoms that I had in, for my period were worse. Mm-hmm. So cramps would increase, tiredness would lag into the next phase of my cycle and just a lot of irritation, like just constant, God, people are driving me insane types of stuff. Mm. But if I gave myself a pause, which meant not attending meetings that I didn't have to, not scheduling extra things if I didn't have to, not doing extra work that didn't really need to be done during that time. And I just gave myself time to just relax, and take it easy for just two days, I felt so much better all around. And when I entered into the spring phase or the pre-ovulation phase of my cycle, I had so much energy to do things that I was practically unstoppable. And so that was that's just one of the first things that I really noticed. And there's been other things as I've played around with it more. I've been doing this um, since I would say probably like 2013. So like good 10 years of mm-hmm. playing around with it. Um, but that was the first really big aha moment for me. And now I I continue to track my cycle and I'm like looking at my calendar as I'm talking to you, but I continue <laughs> to track it. So I know I have a good sense. I am fairly lucky to have a very a regular cycle, but I have a good sense of when things, when, when I need to do things or not. And I can kind of plan in advance. You know, I don't have 
100% control over my schedule, but I do have a lot of influence over what I do or not do at each um, phase of my cycle. Yeah, and I love that. And while we're talking periods, I will share an experience that I've had recently as well. So one of the things that I've been exploring more as I go more into like, my natural rhythms and where life is leading me is so the psychotherapist that I've been working with does a lot of traditional Chinese medicine based stuff um and we've been looking at um basically how I can support my liver I've had lots of anger that's come up it's like we need to support your liver because in traditional Chinese medicine the liver is associated with anger which is also associated with spring right um and so he gave me some not even like not tablets to take nothing to change in my diet we've done some of that now but the only thing he gave me was he gave me some movement exercises that were basically designed to open up my liver meridian and support the liver and the liver channels so very much that not that western philosophy very much the eastern philosophy and so I was doing those exercises I mean like they're basic it's like probably five minutes a day if that and I also have a very regular cycle and I normally know it's coming though, because I will have five, sometimes seven, sometimes if I'm really unlucky, 10 days of really, really sore boobs. I'm going to do a disclaimer about, sorry, <laughs> men aren't I before the start of this one. Really sore boobs, like the week before. Um, day of like the cramps, like my back, my stomach, like really, really sore. And so I started doing these exercises to support the liver because the liver is also the organ in like all kinds of medicine that is responsible for our hormones um and like and metabolizing the hormones and look, doing the estrogen and all of the rest of it i'm not a doctor so i'm, I'm not gonna i won't I'll, I'll be shushed now but last month fascinating the first thing i knew about my period was my period and there was none of anything else now, it could be a complete coincidence. It could just be a coincidence. But for me, it was fascinating. I've started to tune into what does my body need at this deeper, deeper level. I'm taking care of myself. And actually, these symptoms are now no longer there. Um, and it's interesting because, so as you can see, Emily already knows this from my background, I'm still away at the moment. And I messaged Nat a couple of days ago because I was like, can you go and look at my calendar in my office? Because that's where I'm on. I said, can you just go and look at the calendar in my office and tell me where my last period was so that I make sure I'm like not having any accidents while I'm in somebody else's house. There's going to be so many disclaimers on this one. But, <laughs> it's, um, but it's just so interesting how we can make these little tweaks because they're not big changes we make these little tweaks where we're paying attention to our natural rhythms and what we need and then seeing the impact that it has in our in our health in our well-being in our productivity well I just want to point out two things from what you said because I think it's really important and really empowering for people to realize that just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal mm. so just because it's common that everybody's tired and burned out at work doesn't mean that it's normal and I don't think you have to have a medical degree or a PhD or be somebody who has dedicated your life to researching health and wellness and science and hormones to make small tweaks to your life that have a really big impact. We have more power and the ability to improve our health 
than I think a lot of people give themselves credit for. I love that. I love that. So the other thing that we've kind of talked about behind the scenes was, I suppose as part of this, like I'm in this winter phase, or maybe not part of that, maybe it was something else entirely, but you've also very intentionally made some changes to do less in your life and work. Um, and I guess as someone just who personally I'm very good, like I'm here for 10 days on my own. I'm still noticing how I'm quite good at filling the space. You know, people are reaching out like, I live near there. Can I come and see you? And I'm like, yeah. Um, and so I'm just curious to hear more about how you have, I've been doing less in life and work. I guess if you found it a challenge, did you find it easy? And then what have you noticed on the back of that? So I'll give you two examples. One is personal and one is work related about how I've been doing less. Mm -hmm. I have, I had a surgery in January that required me to eliminate all of the physical activities that I really enjoy doing and that I've added into my life. What that allowed me to do in that recovery time is really analyze how much I had brought into my schedule under the guise of I enjoy this and movement is good for me and this is supporting my health. But my schedule was packed. And when I took a pause, I realized, wow, I feel really good not doing that much, which is very surprising to my mind to hear me say that. Because in my mind, it always, I always want to do more movement, more things to increase my physical activity. It, there's always the sense that I could be doing more, but I felt really good taking a break. And I noticed that my energy felt really good and I was able to um, think better about things and more deeply about things because I wasn't constantly shifting from one thing to the next. Um, one of the big takeaways from that experience is that I actually don't like working out early in the morning. I had always thought that I was a morning person. And in my mind, a morning person meant you did all your things in the morning and you work out in the morning and you just get it done because you have no control of your, your schedule and things just slip away from you. And then you won't have time to work out in the evening. I really enjoy waking up naturally, taking my dogs for a walk, having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and really taking a leisurely slow morning and then going into my work day. So that is very challenging for me right now because I have um, yoga, hot yoga membership and a lot of the classes are at 6 a.m. And I'm like, must do the yoga in the morning to feel better and begin my day. And I'm like, well, actually, I don't want to get up at five to get ready and go and be in class at 6 a.m. And I love that. And I'm going to, I know you've got a, a work example yeah. as well, but if I just jump in there, I think it's so interesting as well. So the more that I learn around like the nervous system, how many of us use that exercise and different things in the morning to get us going for the day, this is just stopping and slowing down and noticing where we are and what we need. And so when I came here, there is a 24 hour gym. And I was like, oh it'd be great I can go to the 24-hour gym like get back in because me and that have been to the gym together once at home and we've decided we will join and go maybe twice a week um and and that's my husband for people that don't know and so I was like right I'm gonna go I'm gonna get back in the gym and then I got here and I'm like 
and I bought a one a one one kettlebell with me, not a heavy one, um, and some bands, and then my yoga mat. And I was like, I still do bits of stuff, and then I go to the gym. And then I've been really intentional about what do I need, what feels good, where are my energy levels at, and other than like twenty minutes of yoga with Adrian starting her 30-day journey that I was going to do in January but didn't do (laughs) I'm like my body needs to rest like I've come here for a rest the last thing I need is like let me go and do a seven-day gym membership but you're right but there is still those patterns of like but I should be doing this versus I just I just want to be in bed actually and I just want to rest um and then noticing the benefits when you do versus like I get to the end of the day and I'm exhausted and I get to the end of the day and I've really taken care of myself and I feel better um so I love you sharing that but also yes I get it on the like well no because (laughs) it's what I should be doing and I've got my membership yeah yeah and I, I do love movement so that's one of those things where I have to I, I find that I feel better when I've got movement every day in my life, but it doesn't always have to be the thing that my mind, my mind wants to stick to a very rigid routine. Um, But if you take it back to the menstrual cycle, there's actually a lot of evidence to support that in your spring and summer phases, the higher intensity stuff is really great. And then as you move into the, the autumn and the winter phases, slowing down is really supportive and useful. Yeah. And because you've got, whatever time you wake up there's the dog walk in the morning as well you get that double benefit of you getting some movement you're getting the daylight yes which obviously kind of sets you up well for the day yeah 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 Yeah, I am intentionally practicing getting daylight which I've noticed when I do that practice of getting about 10 minutes of direct sunlight in the morning and then also in the evening Mm. I sleep so much better it's better than anything I've done just that simple practice of the sunlight yeah and the thing as well is because I've seen some pictures of you posting it you don't have to be doing very much you can just be sitting in the sunlight you know you know you said you have a tea or a coffee in the morning you can just do that with the light on your face yeah yeah so the key is just take your sunglasses off or your hat or whatever is going to obscure the sun and just you don't have to look directly at the sun obviously but just facing the sun and allowing it to shine on your face and then if it isn't sunny um 20 minutes is the recommendation it's one of the things I've changed is making sure that I take my sunglasses off. Mm. But like, the, at least if I'm going for a longer walk, at least the first bit and in the UK at the moment, I think the sun did come out on Tuesday, but the weather's been gross. So yeah, for me, it's like the first 20 minutes, half an hour, it's been really grim to like have the sunglasses off um, and then just noticing. And then what was your work example? So one of the things that I'm really massively interested in personally and then when I work with clients is productivity and time management Um, and I think the desire that people have is I just need to figure out how I can do more like I just need to get organized find the perfect calendaring system so I can fit more into my day because the demands on my time are so high or so great and I want to offer that when you work in a corporate type job, the work will never end. And that's probably true of any job. There will never be a stopping point where you've reached zero and you've finished it all. (laughs) 
And I think people who are seen as high performers get the benefit of more work, right? People want them to help out and do more. So what I challenge myself to do, what I challenge my clients to do is actually do less Mm -hmm. and focus on the things that are of greatest impact or greatest value. So if you think about I work in IT and I have clients that I work with in IT. I think about what is what are their goals? What is it that they're trying to do? And then what how can I focus on the work that's going to be of the greatest impact to them? And that's really where I focus my energy. So I'm not doing everything. I let things sit on my to-do list for weeks and sometimes they just drop off. And they don't need to be done. But when you're trying to do every single thing that comes in, you just get overwhelmed and you burn your energy down. Was there a process for you that you had to go through to be able to get to the place where you could do this? Because like for some people, they're going to be listening to you and being like, you let something involve you to do this. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, here's my to-do list. <laughs> And there are some things that I've scribbled out. I'm I'm so type A with this where I've got every line has a, you know, like the little box. And then I like I to take to it off and cross it out. Yeah. Because you get because you get a double, you get a double bonus. You can take it and cross it off. Yeah. And I used to like highlight stuff that was like urgent. So you could highlight and then you could cross through the highlight and then you could take off the box. Oh yeah. I yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I have a, another um if if it just doesn't need to be done or, you know, it's overcome by events, I scribble mm. it out instead of ticking because it never actually got done. So I can't tick it, but I'll scribble it out. Well, that feels good too. But I mean, I do actually like to have a to-do list. I'm a visual person that's just helpful for me. And I actually do like to see when things don't end up need to be done. That's one of the reasons that I write it down as a reminder to myself that not everything has to be done, right? So the process to get there was not just, okay, I'm not taking on any extra work. Screw you guys. This is my hard stance. It was a process uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And I think two of the things that were really helpful for me is noticing my energy, noticing when I had the capacity to do a little bit more versus when I didn't, and then learning how to say no, which is a form of boundary setting. And that was something that we talked about in the original version of address and unlock yeah. happy families. Um, and that's some, you know, I, I've done work outside of that particular coaching container, but that is something that I think people who identify as perfectionists and people pleasers have a very difficult time doing. If you've got some of the good girl energy going on, saying no feels really hard and almost impossible sometimes. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time it is impossible because of I think I talked about this on the good girl podcast that I did with Amy which maybe was episode four um but there's a freeze response in the system like it left at some point we've decided it's a threat to our survival to disappoint to not do things well to let the people down to say no so when you say like it's almost like I can't say no we literally can't say no because everything in our body is like if you say no to this you're gonna die and, you know, that's quite a hard thing to go against. So, and I know you've done this work, but it's like working working through that patterning so that you have got access to that healthy you know, to be like, I'm good, thanks. I'm not going to do this today. 
and no one's going to die. Yeah. 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 I think that there are some useful strategies um, to help with that because there are a lot of, let's say, Instagram people out there who are like, just say no, no period is a complete sentence. And I think that can be really shocking for people. And I don't really know how effective that is in a, in a work culture. It comes off as a little harsh and I don't think it's great for relationship building overall. Um, some things that have been helpful is being really aware of my workload. So let's say I have an eight hour a day and I have 10 hours worth of work asking for help for those extra two hours from teammates or asking your manager, whoever's on your leadership team, hey, I've got 10 hours of work. I only have eight hours of capacity. What is the priority here? Help me identify what what I should be focusing on. Um, is it possible to do something to 80% completion instead of 100 or 110% completion? <laughs> That's a big one, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then also just getting very clear from people on what the requirement is, what the actual ask is for the particular assignment and when they need it submitted. Because often people I have found just shoot off an email of a request because it's on top of mind for them. But it's not actually something that has to be done right away. It's not necessarily urgent. It's just they need to get it out of their head and put it out there, right? So following up and asking a few more questions and just instead of making assumptions that this is a priority, it has to be done right now, yeah. must get to it. Yeah, and the thing that I also used to experience in a corporate space and probably like with a similar background of, you know, people want to get stuff off their plate, there would be a lot of what we used to call fake deadlines. Mm. so someone gives you something because they want it urgently and actually if you have a little bit of a question of like when is this actually required like when does this need to go to the client and then how do we work back because a lot of the time you're right we want to do everything instantly but we could potentially just create a rod for our own backs if it's not needed within that time scale yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of fake deadlines going around in the software development space which is where I work mm. um we we set priorities for a specific time period. It's called a sprint. So they're typically four weeks long. And in that yeah. four week time period, you've got, here are the, the main things the team is working on. And so if you can't tie the work to the priority, it doesn't get done in that time period. And that's something that I think any type of industry or, or team could adopt. You don't have to be doing software development to operate in that way, but it's, it's really beneficial for the team. And I think it's very kind to the people working. Is that the agile model or something similar? It is, yes. Yeah. 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 I am in no way an expert in this. I'm just aware of it. <laughs> so anybody <laughs> reach out and be like, wait, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually am an agile expert. Feel free to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we've, we've kind of touched upon it, but not really. I would like to know, so you've gone through this process of, you're kind of doing things more in line with your menstrual cycle and you're paying attention and you're slowing down and you've been doing less. And you touched upon kind of productivity and time management, but I think people would like to know and I would like to know about where you have done less and yet have had greater results. So like, because, because it's very easy to throw around, do less, get more, slow down to speed up, or like all of those like platitudes. 
but what's been your tangible actual evidence from slowing down? That's a great question. And I, I love that you asked that because I do think there is that the motto of like, do less and you'll get more, but it's like, what are you actually getting? So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will say that because I have really focused my energy on products that are most valuable to my clients, I become involved in the work that is most impactful to them. And I'm brought in on leadership discussions and strategy discussions. And that has allowed me to put things in my annual review of like, hey, here are examples of how I really impacted the client's success because I have positioned myself as an expert, as somebody who is really knowledgeable about these processes. That's where I focused my time. In doing so, I've received the highest bonus, um, end of year bonus out of all of the managers. I Thank you. <laughs> My salary has increased significantly. I've received out of cycle pay raises. Um, I was promoted into a leadership position. I've managed a team of now 17 continuing to grow. And that puts me in line for other opportunities to work with the executive team, to travel with them, to do strategy sessions with them, to help grow the company. Um, to be aligned for senior management positions and executive positions when they come up. And of course, with that is tied co extra compensation. So for me, those are some of the tangible benefits that I've seen as I've been able to really grow my career a lot faster. And it hasn't been just based on the typical, oh, well, you've been with a company for a year. So now here's your 3% raise. It's been very accelerated because of how I have focused my time. Yeah. And as someone who has been has experienced things like burnout before how amazing that it's like I've learned to slow down I'm taking care of myself and I think we can all agree from what Emily's just said it's working out pretty well <laughs> <laughs> it is working out pretty well yeah no I mean my career is the best that it's ever been and it's interesting to me that I previously you know as you mentioned I had that burnout experience and I was only doing my full-time job but now i'm managing a team of 17 also doing my full-time job i'm coaching clients privately and participating in activities that i really enjoy so my life feels very balanced and there's actually um i would say that there's more things in it but i'm very careful about how much time i dedicate to each of those things i'm very intentional about that yeah, and what you aren't saying, but I'm pretty sure you can tell me that I'm right in a second, is that you're also very mindful of the energy cost of each activity. Yes. So like, do I have the energy for this? Is this giving me energy? Is this taking away from my energy? Like, how do I balance all of those things? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. It's like, it's, I haven't reached this nirvana state, but I think that I've got the skills to pivot a lot faster now yeah. yeah well that's the thing isn't it as part of being human one of the ladies from address and unlock lives 10 minutes from here and I saw her this morning and she um I was talking about how long it she was talking she's a coach and she was talking about like basically it taking her a while to like want to get a program out and I said how it had taken me four months before I was ready to do happy families like I had the idea before I then said to do it and she asked me about um 
like what was the difference and I said I didn't I wasn't sure that I'd done enough work on my stuff with my family to be able to do it with other people and it was when I went to my sister's wedding which was March last year and saw all of my family that I was like no I'm ready and I think and I said you know because I've done that work and then I sort of had to stop myself and I was like no I haven't done that work I was like I've done enough of that work because the mm. work will never end yeah yeah I and love that I and think I... the work's ended sorry go on no no I was just I think that that just speaks to moving away from that perfectionism we won't mm. reach a state of 100% completion now we're done we never have to deal with family issues or you know energy issues again we're good <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think the more that we can give ourselves that grace and compassion, so us in stepping away from that perfectionistic stuff, because for a lot of people, we kind of learn to be valuable. If we could be perfect, if we could get it all right, we put all of these mechanisms in place to protect ourselves of like, I'm going to create this perfect, insert whatever the thing is here, and actually taking a step back from that and being like, oh no, I'm an infallible human, like everybody else. (laughs) And, and I'm going to get it wrong sometimes and, and that's okay because then I'm going to learn from it and maybe and maybe I'm not even going to learn from it the first first or second or third or tenth or twentieth time but like it's all part of my journey yeah I love that it just has me thinking that I want people in my industry to have the courage to start experimenting with different things and breaking the the quote-unquote rules that they think exist mm. and also being willing to learn from their experiments and keep iterating and trying new things yeah and and then i guess it's about giving them the resources that they can be brave enough to experiment yes you know without because if there's that unconscious patterning of like i need to do as i'm told without going into like too much on it again it's quite hard to break away from it's like how do we feel strong enough to be like i'm not sure i agree with that let's try this way (laughs) yeah Yeah. And I would say to people who are newer in their career and coming up in whatever industry they work in, that there aren't really any rules. Like from behind the curtain of management, (laughs) there aren't a lot of rules. There are some rules, but for the most part, there's more freedom than you think exists. And I think that, um, you know, we tend to think about corporate as this behemoth, a machine and we're all cogs in, in the organization, but behind every corporation are real people. And I think at the heart of it, most leaders want their employees to feel good and enjoy their work and not be burned out. That isn't true in every case. There are toxic work cultures and bosses, but I think a lot of people mean well, they just don't necessarily know what to do. And so they're always open to hearing different ways or seeing different things working out if people are experimenting on their own. Yeah, and I think that's right. So last question from me. Because I know of your expertise in this area, if you were thinking about the stuff that we've talked about today, so that like going with our natural rhythms, doing a bit less, but but basically really just kind of going with where life is leading us and like being able to lean into like what feels right. How do you bring in the tools of accessing and using intuition with that so like for you with clients like however you want to answer the question the floor is yours thank you that's a great question and I would say it starts with embodiment which is a fancy term how does your body feel yeah and I think that our intuition talks to us through our body 
So a lot of people would say, I just have like a gut feeling Mm -hmm. or a ping or a knowing or a tingle, Mm -hmm. something like that. Right. And for a lot of people, we spend so much time in our head because we're in industries that require our brain to do the work. And so taking time to get out of your brain and into your body is really, really useful. It's going to have you help build that communication with your intuition. And that leads to the question of like, why do I even care about my intuition? What's the point? (laughs) And I think a really useful way to think about your intuition is that it's going to help you live a life that is easier overall. It's going to help direct you to the path that is most beneficial to your body and your life. And so there's easier ways to work. You can use your intuition to help you work in a way that supports your body. And in order to access your intuition, start noticing how your body feels. That could be through sitting there and just doing some breath work I personally love movement in nature. So we had mentioned my dog walks. I try and take a couple walks a day, but anytime you can just break away from intentionally break away from your computer or your screen, pause and just notice how your body feels, I think is the first step to accessing your intuition. I love that. Thank you so much. And if people want some tools for like connecting, reconnecting back in their body, because a lot of us are quite disconnected. So I think, it's episode 13 of the podcast, which would be two before this one. Um, I just share a couple of very, very basic like intro. How do we start to connect back in? So you can check that out if you are interested. Emily, is there anything else that you want to say or share before we wrap up today? I just want to thank you for the work that you are doing in the world. You are somebody who intimately understands what it's like to work in the hustle and grind mm. culture. <laughs> and I think that there is an opportunity for people to continue working in industries that they love yeah. without destroying their bodies in the process. And so thank you so much for the work you're doing to support people. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And I think that's so right. Like we can't all be leaving corporate to go off and do something else. Then it's, like, it's like, well, what's going to be left? Um, and I think I would echo that from your position as well. So you are, you know, I very much took myself out of that space. You are very much still in that space, but also showing that there is a different way. Yeah. So I think, again, I think it's just useful for people to see like different perspectives. Like, yes, there is the choice of like, I'm going to go. And there's also the choice of, no, I'm going to make it work for me. Yeah. And I was going to say that your way is harder, but I think both ways are hard, actually. <laughs> both ways are hard. Yeah. We, everything's hard. We just have to choose our hard. Um, but I think it's just interesting to see of like, oh, okay, actually, maybe I can make this work for me. And, and there might be less significant changes than people think. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to overhaul every single thing in your life in order to make really impactful changes. I think that's a wonderful point. Yeah, that's amazing. So I will add Emily's contact details to the show notes. So if people want to get in touch with Emily, they can. Emily, is there anything that you want to just say briefly about the work that you do? So Emily does do private coaching with one-to-one clients. Is there anything that you want to say briefly about that? Just um, if people want to reach out to you in the future, who knows when they'll be watching this? Yeah, of course. The type of client that I work with is somebody who feels overwhelmed or stressed at work, disorganized, 
needs to improve productivity, time management, wants to grow their career authentically. And I think a really good place to start is I've got an energy review kit. It's a free guide. Mm -hmm. Um, It's linked everywhere and you can download it and take a look and start to identify in the areas of your life. Where do you have things that are draining your energy? And then it walks you through a step-by-step process of how to tweak those things so that you can start having more energy in your life. Brilliant. I love that. Thank you so much for being here, joining Thank me you. on my little mini retreat. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Louise. Um, and I am sure I will speak to you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. And I will see you all next week.